You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Today, I'm so excited because I'm talking to one of the best humans on the planet, one of the most gifted songwriters. Dan Rivera is a <laughs> artist with SEU Worship. He's a worship pastor at Church of the King in New Orleans. Say what's up, Dan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's so good to be here. Bro, so uh, we've been trying to get this podcast on the books forever, so I just want to say thanks for uh, making some time today. I know uh, you got a lot going on, but man, just for our listeners, uh, why don't you just kind of unpack a little bit of your story, give a snapshot on how you got involved in music and ministry and what you're up to today, man. Yeah, how I got involved in music and ministry, uh, it was just never a choice. I grew up in a pastor's <laughs> home, uh, my mom and dad. Uh, our ministers. Uh, my dad was was preaching every Sunday. My mom was uh, leading worship for our services, and you know, kind of small storefront uh, Pentecostal charismatic community. And me and my brothers, we were just uh, de facto in the band. Actually, one of my earliest memories of playing in a worship band. I don't know if I've told you this, but like, I uh, they taught me um, three chords on the bass. On the bass, okay. Yeah, yeah. D, A, and G. <laughs> Just like the open strings. And then how to nice. do the octave. Like here's, you know, here's where G is low and there's where it is high. And I was like, okay. And I was supposed to play one special for Christmas. But then, of course, the Holy Spirit broke out. And of course. Then, and now we're doing the whole thing. And I literally had to play up there the whole time. And I knew nothing. I knew nothing. You know, I just oh, didn't. Oh, man. And so literally they're up there playing, going, and I must be like 13 years old, man, like 12 years old or something. And I've got the bass, and I literally just turned the, the volume down all the way. And I just, as I started flowing and play, I just faked it like I was playing the music. That's amazing. <laughs> but that's how I, how I got involved in music and ministry is I didn't really, I was just kind of thrown in. And yeah, probably shortly after that story I just shared, I, I got a real desire to do it. Um it was music first. Honestly, I, 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 I had a confession with the Lord, a confession of Christ. You know, like I, I confessed Jesus is my Lord, and I, I would say like I had a relationship with Him, but I, I didn't have a fire for mm. God. You know, as a young person. Wow. So it's funny. I got really into music, but I wouldn't say I got into music and ministry at the same time. I got really yeah. into music um, because honestly, I thought you know I just liked playing with my friends and I loved. And I just love it. I still love music. You hear a good song. It's just like, mm. don't you still get excited about a, a good song? I love it, it, man. It's yeah. just so good. And like, It's in our bones. It's in our DNA. That's it. And so I got really excited about music for, at first. And then I was about 19 years old, 20 years old, maybe, let me think. And I'd said yes to going on this um, summer camp. I just dropped out of college, but I had a commitment to play at a summer camp as part of a Southeastern University sort of thing they were doing for, for so summer camp for high school, middle school students. I'm in the very bottom of the stage area, you know, like down by the altar, you might call mm-hmm. it. And the guy leading the prayer gathering says, there's somebody in here who had a radical kind of touch of God when they were 14 years old. And you actually were given a prayer language and um, you haven't wow. spoken in that prayer language since you were 14 years old. And God's telling you to do it right now. This guy says this. He's just like a volunteer leader at this this camp. Wow. He just gets up there with faith and full conviction and says that. And I'm looking around at the 12 other people at this gathering. And I'm like, I'm like, that's way too specific. That's literally my story. <laughs> that's literally my story. 
I was 14 years old. I kind of had a Holy Spirit encounter, and that was kind of a moment to catch fire for, in my life, but it just didn't really stick. And um, so I dropped out of college at that point. I'm, I'm at this this camp, and um, and then I, so then I kind of I, I start speaking in this. You know, in tongues. You didn't know we were going to be talking about speaking in tongues today, Curtis. I hey, man, we day. get Pentecostal on this worshipology podcast, bro. So I start, I start lifting up this, you know, my prayer language, and um, it's just wild. Like God met me in such a mighty, powerful way in this gym that was converted mm. to a meeting place <laughs> for mm. high school students, and uh, I was on my face, and I, I felt so clearly the Lord tell me that I was going to be a pastor. So then I changed, um, I changed my my major back at, at university. Re-enrolled in, in the courses I had just dropped out of and failed, basically, and <laughs> uh, and decided that uh, I was going to be a, a, a pastor. And it's funny, I actually said no to all. My, I don't know if you know this part of the story. I said no to all of my music obligations. I just said nope, I'm going to be a pastor. Oh and wow, I, that was all I wanted to do. And little by little, people were like, "Yeah, but you should keep keep playing and leading." Cause like, <laughs> You're not very good at preaching or team leading yet, so <laughs> you should keep doing that. And so, like, I kind of just kept doing it, and um, and you know that turned into just more and more, just being faithful one door after another. And then, um, yeah, yeah. So really, like, I I would call myself a pastor, and then a songwriter. Wow. And anything that's like an artist side of it comes out of those two convictions and callings that I have in my life. Now let me let me pause you there because that's such an interesting distinction that you just made pastor artist songwriter unpack a little bit like just for our listeners like what is the main differences and then what are the main connection points between those three different callings and especially when it pertains to you and your specific lane that you run in yeah that's so good well a pastor a pastor is a shepherd meaning that a pastor's responsibility is to care for people with fear of god that you're doing it in 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 mm. with a diligent spirit you know, fear and honor of God. So you're loving on yeah. people, but you're also reminding people who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is and getting them closer and closer to that. And then, so it's a lot of relational leadership. It's also leadership from the Bible, right? Pointing people to the Word of God, so being biblically and theologically literate and responsible. Yeah. Right? And then an artist is somebody who reflects the beauty of God to other people. Wow, So wow. So if a pastor is someone who who shepherds people and really keeps them close to Jesus. An artist is somebody that reminds them what the maker looks like, what the creator looks like, and um, brings it back to just the beauty and awe and wonder of God. Mm. An artist is, um, yeah, it's almost like a prophet, isn't it? An artist is almost like a prophet in that they're, I'm, I'm thinking like a prophet like John the Baptist or Jeremiah or um, yeah. Yeah. Isaiah. You know, where they're a little... They're a little misunderstood culturally sometimes, but the message they have is important. Wow. Because it's ultimately pointing to God. If, if they're doing it, you know, of course there's artists who wouldn't call themselves Christ followers, but if you're doing it under the conviction of God, you're doing it to point people to God. And a songwriter, I would say, someone that, that so if you're, so again, songwriter too, you could break that up into, I'm a Christian songwriter, I'm a worship song, I'm a worship church songwriter, you know, or I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just, I just write songs. All of those fall under the artist umbrella, I would say. But, yeah. but to be like a, what I do, to write worship songs, and I, I do all of that, but what I do is a discipline and as as, as like a, what I feel like God's called me to do and assigned me to do is to write songs that uh, that that bring churches into worship, you know, 
bring people mm. into worship. So, so yeah, that's I guess, and I hadn't really thought of a, a really, a real, I don't know, firm trichotomy <laughs> between yeah, those yeah. three. But I think I like, like that, dude. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's if me just cuffing off the top of my head. That feels like a good way to distinguish wow. the three of them. Maybe you could say it this way: A pastor is about connecting people to the heart of God, and the heart of God is to love people, accept them, shepherd them, right? An artist connects people to the wonder and awe of God, and a songwriter gives the language to do both of those things. Wow, bro, that's that's really good stuff right there. And so you're you're in this season. You're you're you wanting to be a pastor. You're taking all these classes. You're obviously gifted in music. You find yourself at SEU. What's next for you? Yeah. So after uh, after that, so after I got that kind of radical call, I basically just started. You know, my worship ministry journey, which was um, SCU worship started as I came back. That's the funny part of my story as I came back to SCU as a student. And then they said, hey, we're going to launch this thing called SCU worship. We need songs. And I said, okay, here's here's a few. And we just started writing together. And I got I got involved really early just out of, you know, providence. Honestly, I just had no reason to be there. It's just unfair that I got to be a part of it <laughs> so early. And, um, and so the first few records I was really involved in, a guy named Chase Wagner, who would be great actually for you to reach out to. For oh this man, I love Chase. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was running the the everything at SCU. And then throughout all that, I met this guy named Curtis Parks. Have you ever heard of him? Oh snap! Watch out. <laughs> yes, I was a senior in college, and uh, <laughs> uh, a pastor, Mark Batterson, was preaching, and he says, "Hey, you need to meet my worship director, uh, Curtis Parks." We, you and I met, and um, and then it turned into an mm. invitation to do ministry together at National Community Church, which I did for. Three years in D.C., loved it. I'm yeah. from Miami, yeah. South Florida, so it felt a little bit like coming back into an urban context, you know, like a city was so awesome. And then, um, so did that for three years uh, and loved it, loved it, loved it, before coming back to Southeastern to uh, at first build curriculum, but then ultimately drive on-campus worship albums. And then mm. towards the end of my time there, I was just doing the music stuff. And so kind of sat in a few seats Drove a few different things, but um, but basically drove what it is that we called SE worship for for a season, yeah. and just absolutely loved it. It was amazing. So with kind of youth and young adult music, and toured a lot. We went from um, yeah, we just watched the thing grow. It was a big happy accident. Nobody ever t- told us sit down and and reach you know x amount of numbers or whatever for streams <laughs> and sales and, and you know, but the Lord just blessed it. And we had uh, just favor on the music. And so then that created more, you know, favor. What's Pastor Mark always say? Blessings complicate your life. (laughs) Yeah, the blessings of God will complicate your life. And so, you know, it's more stewardship, more meetings, more resource, all that stuff you have to manage. And so it was a really, really, really amazing season. And um, the way I tell the story is I was, you know, I'm 32 right now. And one day I'm going to be able to grow a beard, Curtis. Like hey, you? I'm with you on that. <laughs> no, you're not. You can you can grow a beard. You're no, really I mean I'm like I'm in your corner. I'm in your yeah, corner. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I can be your beard coach. I need, okay? Yes, like that's what I'm Give looking. You the tips, and that's what kind of and oils that to is use. why I'm here today. <laughs> that's really the gist of this podcast. <laughs> I uh, I was like, one day the beard's gonna actually grow in, and uh, they're gonna realize I'm not straight out of college. Like I can't be doing the SC worship college thing forever. <laughs> the gig's gonna be up. So basic. Long story short, today we're recording this May 10th. And a year ago, today, I came and visited uh, Church of the King in New Orleans, and God just started to speak to my, wow. my heart and life in this wild, wild way. And, mm. um, and you know, so Bree and I, 
it's it's like a it's a story where it's really you can't explain it without saying the Holy Spirit spoke to us, confirmed things that we just needed to be here. And I know that sounds a little overly spiritual, but it's just true. It's just the truth of how we got here. Yeah. So, so yeah. now we're out here, and um, totally love it. Our church is amazing, and um, and yeah, planted and having a great time. It's good. That's amazing, man. Well, I gotta be. Uh, I'm gonna take us a little trip down memory lane because when I first connected with you in 2013. Uh, I had actually heard this SEU worship recording. Uh, you you did a song on one of these records. It was called "Like the Sun." That's correct. Do you remember that one? Yes. And dude, I love that. It still gets in like this. Sun, won't you come? It still gets <laughs> in my head all the time, man. And so I got to meet you. Uh, I think we were down there for a, a, a big conference, and we got to meet you. And then you came up, and then yeah, during your three years at National Community. Um, man, I would say like wrote some of the best songs. We did uh, this album with Integrity, You Alone. And I mean, not just a great songwriter, but I mean, you could play pretty much any instrument. It's funny you, you mentioned the bass thing because I think you actually did. You led bass at one of our campuses out of necessity one time. And it's like, oh man, you could play that too. Like <laughs> there's pretty much. And then you would empty yeah, we don't some talk, of our We don't events. talk about the times <laughs> where I had to We, we, pop we sweep bass. that under the rug, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But just, I mean, you know, such a phenomenal gift on lead guitar and just hearing parts and, and even producing and all of that, I think, kind of falls into your songwriting gift. But, you know, kind of seeing where SEU worship was when you went there and then where it is today, you know, yeah, millions of listens every month on Spotify. And I mean, you know, even here at our church in Richmond, you know, Destination, we, we love Monday Morning Faith, you know, we... I, I, I was just listening to Heart Cry again last night. It's one of our prayer songs here. And awesome. I mean, I think you've got such a gift to songwrite and to, um, you know, you talked a little bit about that prophetic edge on the artistry and songwriting. And uh, man, just take a moment. Uh, talk to talk to me a little bit about the difference between, now this is interesting, SEU, uh, not really a church, it's a university, but you right. guys have these chapel services where... I mean, the Holy Spirit shows up every time I've gotten to be a part of some of those chapel services. So what's the difference between church and school? Because, you know, being an SEU artist, and then now you're a worship pastor at Church of the King. Um, I know there's a little bit of a difference between worship services, right? Um, or do you approach it the same? What does that look like for you, Dan? Uh, no, it's it's quite, it's definitely different. No, I think, yeah. I, but I think every every community is it should be approached with its own nuance and that's good personality. Even when we're we you know you're touring and traveling, it's like you have the stuff you know you're gonna want to hit, you know, because you're doing the album and the songs and. But it's also like okay, but what's the what's the age like of this community? What's the crowd like? You know, um, we'd even get as strategic on the SCU side of looking at like okay, so what songs do better in Dallas? Like if we're in Texas, like let's figure out. Wow. And they know more of these songs. So I think there you definitely every community is not the same. So absolutely there's a difference. And at Church of the King, it's amazing, healthy, awesome church where uh yeah, it's it's definitely different than youth and young adult services that I was running before. <laughs> Safe mm-hmm. to say. Um at SEU, we really tried hard and I think we got we got really close to doing this. Um, it's not perfect because it is a university, but we got really tried, really tried hard to make it feel like you were leading and running a church, as far as wow. like the internal structure. So your team, you had a few students who kind of were required to be there, but then the other positions were volunteer based. Like students had to show up at five thirty of their own free will and be there at five thirty a.m. to be a part of the chapel. 
to certain wow. areas. So you really do end up developing the students in a way where they get the opportunity to to kind of feel that that volunteer um, leadership that you get mm. at a church. But what's different is um, it's all more or less saved people. So at SCU or any Christian university, you're you're dealing with either hyper excited on fire people or cynical people. Like you kind of that, that's wow. your that's your little pool of people. You'll have a handful of folks whose their parents sent them and they they don't know Jesus and there's more of those than you think. And, yeah. Uh, but by and large, the the work that you're doing, you're, you're you got those two people. You got kind of cynical. They're not sure if they're even about this. They wouldn't go to this if they didn't have to. People, right? Because they're required to go to the chapel. They'd much mm-hmm. rather go to the acoustic service that happens down there. That's their personality, you know. Or they they prefer big gospel choir versions of worship, and this doesn't feel like you know whatever their thing is. They're kind of cynical. Yeah. Or you got the person that's super excited. It doesn't matter. You could literally sing a terrible song. <laughs> they'll be like, that was amazing. <laughs> They're just here for it. They're here for They're it, whatever here, yeah. it is. Yeah, so that's like a very interesting <laughs> dynamic. So it, it always feels hot and cold. You're sort of like, man, where's the... And so that's kind of a unique thing for, for leading, I don't know, in a university context. But then when you come back to the church here, it's really what I've loved about it is really leading again for a multi-generational room, you know, where it's not just all um, 19-year-olds. Uh, experts, just kidding. No, but eighteen-year-olds and <laughs> and uh, you know eighteen to twenty-four-year-olds. Basically, it's it's more diverse. Uh, I just I love that. And yeah, I would actually say probably nothing is the same as far as how we do it, except for the openness of the approach of okay, what's the Holy Spirit saying? What's excellent? I mean, there's a few principles I practice. This might be helpful actually for picking yeah. for picking sets and songs, uh, just in general, which is that. It's like, okay, do I like the song? Does it move me? And does it match up with the season of where our team is at? Or maybe it's aspirational a little bit, like where we want to take the team. Hey, we're going to do um, uh, we're going to do more than able this weekend, you know, because yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to push the team in a little bit more of a, uh, it's not as easy to nail as something we would pick normally so it's a little bit challenging of a song it's going to push the team a little more forward but then the theme of it is really faith-based so it lines up with our series about faith right like this is all hypothetical but yeah but you see that's kind of how we think so you kind of have those those questions you ask is like okay does this song fit the mood and fit the theme fit our our season does it actually fit the um the team and their capability or yeah is it something that we're going to aspire to which in that case, you really only want one of those in the set, you know? And then, um, sorry, I'm just giving you all how I get. No, that's so good. I mean, and we really I, haven't talked a lot about picking sunsets on this podcast, but, you know, that's such a crucial part of every worship leader, worship team's uh, responsibility going into a Sunday, going into even a season is like, what does our church need to sing and where am I at, you know? I'll add w- uh, one more thing that I do that I, I've just started to realize. It's, it feels like a no-duh to me, but I've realized it's actually really helpful when I explain to people that I do this. Is um, And then the other thing I do is I, I look at Song Select, CCLI, right? Yep. I look at multi-tracks, and then I look at all of the digital streaming platforms to see what are people listening to and what are they used to singing because sometimes we'll say something like, wow. oh, XYZ song, everybody knows that. They've sing it a million times. And it's actually not as popular yeah. as you think it is. Interesting. And then you'll yeah. look and you'll see like, Goodness of God is the number one song right now in the U.S. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's so that would be a home run. And we just did it actually yeah. a few weeks ago. It's a home run song. So like, 
if you are doing if you are doing a more than able or you're doing something a little bit more whatever like put the home run in there too and, and if you don't know what the home run is going to be there's plenty of places you can check to see well what are churches doing um yeah so that's really good dan and then yeah and then the, yeah so I don't know. Well, why. let me ask you this. Yeah, is ahead, it, is it kind of a similar approach in how you're writing songs? Is it like, okay, because I remember this, like, you know, our time together at NCC, um, National Community Church, you know, we would often do what we call songs for series, right? So, you know, we're in a series called the God Anthology, where we're unpacking the characteristics of God. Oh, we get to a week where we're talking about He's a jealous God. You go to song select, there's no songs on God's jealousy. So we wrote a song called Jealous God. Like, is it the same kind of approach in your songwriting when it's like, oh, we don't have, you know, and I remember having a conversation with Michael Farron, brilliant songwriter. And he was like, he was like, listen, we're never going to have enough songs about the cross. We're never going to have enough songs about the resurrection. um, Because I think we were writing a song for Easter in that songwriting session. And so there's going to be some topics, right, where it's like, dude, we could sing till, you know, Jesus comes back. There's not enough songs on this. But when you approach a songwriting project or even just writing a song singular, is it with that mentality of this is what our church is hearing, listening and feeling right now? Or is it more of a prophetic aspirational thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, all of those. I, I like, yeah, yeah. All of those, because my approach to songwriting is like, is is very much like I'm I'm just trying to get as many bass hits as possible, and if one of those turns into a home run, that's amazing. Mm. So I'm sort explain of explain that, explain that. Well, I think like younger version of me was put a lot of pressure on like, okay, we got this thing coming up, we need to write a banger. Let me get the right people together, da 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 da, and then let's make sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I, that actually is not like a I'm not I'm not discouraging that approach, but what I found. And again, I'm in a bit of a different season right now, Curtis, where, where for our team at Church of the King and, and even SCU, because SCU, we're in a bit of a reset um, culturally with the team. It's We're, we're kind of back mm-hmm. at a development stage of being like, hey, let's make sure we all are united and getting time and reps. And so rather than trying to hit, write a hit or write something that's going to be like a, a, a smash, what we're trying to do is just get some under our belt, just, you know, base hits. Is it do something we all like? It's good. It's solid. Yeah. Okay. What's inspiring? So we don't settle. Like we still do stuff that's excellent. Yeah. But um, at least right now, that's sort of where we're in. But I will say like, yeah, absolutely. We look at what's coming up in our sermon series schedule. And absolutely, we're looking at that to figure out what it is that we want to write about and write for. Um, some churches have advantages with that. Like the fact that Pastor Stephen Furtick, has the, it just has an advantage where he's a writer and communicator. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. He's a songwriter and communicator, just to be clear. Right, right, right. So he he can actually kind of do both of those, which helps the worship team. I think you kind of need to make, know what the vibe and the culture of your church is to do that effectively. Cause That's I, good because you don't want to get too bogged down by that. And your lead pastor is just like, well, actually, I'm going to change the series. I'm going to whatever. Or actually, I feel like I'm going to take a different tone. Or you end up writing a song, and the it doesn't necessarily match the theme per se of how it lands so yeah I, I don't put too much we'd look at it i absolutely look at it and if i can try if something speaks to us and feels in line with where we're at um, then we absolutely try and do that another thing we we do when it comes into uh sermon ser- th- this is really prominent at seu how we would handle it and more my personality we were always writing always writing always writing and then when a creative idea would come up i would say i actually think we have a song that we wrote eight months ago that's about that. 
And so we'll be like, wow. really? And be like, yeah, we might be able to use that for the video or for like a creative component. Let's look at, let's look it up. It's like, oh yeah, it does. And it's, and I prefer that personally because yeah, that's kind yeah. of a lower pressure threshold for me. Mm-hmm. But I like, honestly, I like both. That sounds fun too. Like if you called me and you're like, hey, my church is doing or whatever, can we, I'd be like, absolutely, let's chase that. So I, I like both of them, I guess, if I'm just being honest. But I probably, that's cool. I probably trend towards the other way. Yeah. Well, and I think that's an interesting point because, you know, I think as a culture and as just human beings, we love fresh, we love new, we love inventing. But, um, you know, it's interesting, Dan, I, I, I got a phone call, I don't know, this is about six weeks ago, to write a song for an upcoming uh, movie. And uh, the, I was kind of like putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I when I got the phone call, I was sitting next to a guy who was like, man, that's gotta be really fun for you because you just have such a deep well of songs in you. And I never even thought about that. And I think, you know, as prolific of a songwriter as you are, there's this deep well of songs that it's like, you know, we're just capturing ideas all the time. I I remember having a conversation um, with a songwriter once and they're like, my main like complication in songwriting is just capturing ideas as the inspiration hits right, and yeah. knowing which ones to edit out and which ones are like, maybe this is fire, you know? Yep. And I, I think digging into that well as a songwriter, like give me one more nugget just for the songwriters that are listening. Like what is it, what is one way that you steward the gift of songwriting? And, and how do you know that like, man, maybe this is just a song for me and Jesus, or maybe this is a song um, for the church to sing. And cause I know you're doing that in your current role at church of the King, as well as with, SEU, like how do you determine the difference between, is it just, you know, showing people or is it like there's something inside your spirit that's like, yeah, this, this could have something on it. I have a love hate relationship with my intuition about songs because <laughs> there, there have been moments where I'm like, guys, just trust me. This is gonna This is going to smash. Trust. Yeah. Me. And I'm, I'm right. And they're like, we should have trusted you. But I would say <laughs> the majority of the time. My like I have to be. I guess what I'm trying to say is my intuition. I have to be very, very clear because I've also had it the other way, right? Where I say, mm. I say, I say, like I got a good feeling about this. It's gonna be great. They're gonna do, and we and then we do it, and it's like crickets. Yeah. Um, so my intuition, this and this is probably my own internal metric, my in, from just lived experience. My intuition about what I like and what's gonna connect has to be so strong that I'd be willing to go through two or three rejections of it. And still have the confidence, you know. But if wow. I ask myself, okay, if I if I play this and it doesn't connect, will I be like, ah, it's the crowd. Let's try it again, you know. Or will I be like, ah, no, it was shaky. I'm kind of I'm kind of pushing it on this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of internal thing helps me. It's like, okay, am I willing to really like ride or die on this this idea? Then I think I can go from there. But man, I really really depend on on trusted voices to give me feedback. So That's Dave, good. Dave Cook who's one of my dearest, dearest, closest friends. And we yeah. really did a lot of the SCU. We really did SCU together the last seven years when we were doing it. Wow. Albums. We really did those together, all of them. And uh, we were very collaborative. And, I mean, him and I have also worked on separate, so many other separate projects uh, for friends or whatever, especially him. And he sends me stuff all the time. And I send him wow. stuff all the time. Hey, what do you think? Yeah. What's your thoughts? Blah, 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 blah. And it's always... It's funny, if, if it's just the wave file I get in a text message, I'm like, oh, here, I'll just give you, I'm like, oh, it's awesome, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but if he sends me, what are your thoughts on XYZ? 
or he's, he brings it up again, then I know he's actually wrestling with it. And I'll give mm. him, I'll give him, but I don't do it unless he asks for it, even though he's my yeah. best friend. Like, you know, I just, I don't do it unless he really asks for it. Mm. Um, or I'll give him some feedback on like, yeah, you know, well, here's what I think. I blah, 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 blah. Like I think, yeah. yeah. Which by the way, yeah. just for like songwriting cultures, you don't have to give the critical negative feedback all the time, guys. You can save it for when it's actually asked for. <laughs> That's really good too. You'll get asked to the table. But back to the, just to close the loop on the songwriting uh, thing. and Because basically your question is how do you identify if you have a good song? And, yeah. um, and it's it's circles of trust. You kind of start with those circles of trust and see if people like it. And At least for me. Is it resonating well? And um, yeah. And then you go, you kind of just keep working it outward and outward. I heard Darlene Check say, maybe you've said this before or you know this, but Darlene Check said, does it buy this grid? It's like, does it minister to me? Mm. Okay, if it ministers to me, then let's see if it ministers to my church. Does it minister to my church? Okay, it ministers to my church. All right. Does it minister to the world? Let's try. Wow. Wow. And she says, some songs just minister to you. It's awesome. Some songs minister to you and your church. That's beautiful. What a gift. Some, but very few songs, if we're just being blunt about it, very few songs minister to all three of those in a, in a really deep, meaningful way. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, so you kind of, you work through it that way. I think as far as what you can actually control, you figure out if you like it and if your community likes it. And if they, if they do, then put it out there, go for it. Because releasing it to the world, like we used to think about releasing it, music as being, you release that now to the world. But mm-hmm. I think it's more helpful to think about, eh, I just want my church to have access to this. I want my community to have access to this without me having to send a Dropbox folder. So let's release That's it. That's really good. Let's get it out there so they know about it, you know? Well, the interesting thing is I think you're right. You know, there's just so many times where it's like, oh, we got a song. I think this is a good one. Like, let's go ahead and record it. Let's put it out there. Let's let's hope that this hits, you know, all the Spotify playlists that we want. And it's like, well, you haven't even really tested it out in your prayer room. You, you haven't even really, t- you know, it's like maybe this is a song. And I think it's being okay with a song that maybe it's just for you and Jesus. Maybe it's just, you know, it, it doesn't, not every song has to be, I love what you said about writing bass hits and then, you know, hoping for a home run every now and then, because I think, you know, what what who's what's considered a great hitter in major league, it's not just the home run hitters, it's the consistent bass hitters, yeah. you know? And I think that's so important for songwriters to realize, like, I just remember there was a season of my life where, you know, we were writing for a project that was beyond our church. It was um, a collaborative effort. And it was actually how we actually met in 2013 was yeah. we were releasing that that album, yeah. One, A Worship Collective. And um, that's yeah, a great record. But, you know, the, 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 the songwriting process leading into that was probably one of the most anxious seasons in my life because I was like, I was thinking, let me write a song for a project, not let me write a song that ministers. And having that difference was everything. I actually hit a really bad writer's block, Dan, and I remember being at a conference and whoever the speaker was at this conference was like, you know, somebody's going through a rough time and you just need to have a moment with Jesus right here. And it was a room of like 10,000 people. And I remember hearing that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the Lord was just whispering to me, would you write a song if I was the only one to hear it? Wow. It stopped me in my tracks because my honest answer in that moment, Dan, was no. Like, wow. no, I, I want to write a song for for the church, the global church. Like, And Jesus, I just felt this conviction in my Whoa. spirit was like, 
was like, I'm not going to give you any more songs until I'm enough. That's so good. <laughs> it, it really messed That's me powerful, up, man. man. That's powerful. But, but here's what's cool. Once I submitted my dreams, laid it on the altar, that's when we ended up getting this song. Um, we all collaborated on it. Um, me, Clayton Brooks, Ryan Williams, Kurt Graham, um, a song called To Honor You, which ended up becoming kind of a theme uh, in in the Assemblies of God Church for that year. Uh, I know it was a, a huge song for us at National. and um, But it's, it's just so song. key. Like, who are you writing songs for at the end of the day? And uh, man, I just think you've given us so much to chew on. Let, let me ask you one last question. Uh, something I've been asking everybody on the podcast this year, having some fun with it. Man, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Um, what's oh, he wow. speaking? And, and this could be something personal um, that you're just kind of wrestling, or it could be something like, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit's laying this on my heart, and this could be for the church. But what's I know the Holy Spirit speaks to you um, regularly, Dan, and I, I just love to kind of get into your mind and your heart what's the holy spirit speaking to you right now man yeah i mean just just that yeah i don't know it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint honestly the lord's been doing so much in this season curtis that it's like been wow it's, it's been overwhelming for me and brie almost and if you if you anybody listening is in uh, kind of communities where they practice prophetic words uh, my wife and i we got the same one three times Three different wow. people, three different circumstances, and two different cities, actually, as a matter of fact. Wow. Three different, you know, just, and it's like, been the God's been speaking so much, pouring out so much. Um, I'll tell you that, like, very recently and frequently, I'm sorry, just recently, this um, this week, I've just been moved by the love of God. <laughs> Sorry, that's not mm. a that's not a huge revelation. <laughs> that's so good. That's maybe the biggest revelation. Uh, so... I'm doing a study right now in the letters of Paul, which I haven't done this since I was in high school, where like I just I'm reading them and I'm trying to understand them and wrap my mind around them. And uh, I cannot believe how many times Paul makes the point. So we all know about First Corinthians 13. Mm-hmm. The greatest of these is love. You know, faith, hope, love. Greatest of these is love. But First uh, Timothy one one five, the aim of our charge is love which comes from a pure heart sincere faith mm. you know clean conscience and then uh if it's philippians philippians one he does it again he goes but don't forget like it brings it back to love and i was i just i can't believe you know even us if you're so you're probably a worship leader worship person listening to this podcast and there are a lot of things to distract your priorities the set lists the the cool multi-track stuff available, the technology, the gear, the the pressure to dress a certain way, appear a certain way, talk a certain way, pick these songs. Those songs aren't cool anymore. We don't do that worship team anymore. There's all this mm. pressure to get things right. But our number one priority, my number one priority is to love with the love of God. And that begins in my home, begins in the people that know me closest and, and in our teams. Do I love them? Wow. And love means I lead with the conviction that this is good for them. It's good for people. It's wow. Not, it's not good for the music, quote unquote. It's good for people. This is this is good for the people of our church. This is good for our team. Hey, we're gonna make this decision. You know, we're gonna. St- I mean, this is just an example. We're gonna start a gospel choir. Why? It's gonna be really good for our people. They're gonna have a community they never had before. Wow. We got more vocalists than we've ever had. It's gonna be. It's really gonna bless them. 
they don't sing gospel music, I know it's going to challenge them. It's going to make them better leaders. It's going to be really good for them because we love them mm. enough to, to challenge them that way. Like it's just like if you get to the motivation being that love, God's love for us, and then our love for others being the core conviction. And the aim of our charge is love, which comes from a pure heart, sincere faith, wow. and clean conscience. That's just so easy to mm. miss, man. Isn't it easy to miss? So that's if I, you know, I guess if I had to say, uh, and just in the last few days, I've been really moved by that in um, in all of Paul's writings. I think right there that should challenge all of us because yeah, we can be so much about the task at hand, but if we miss the greatest, what Paul would say is the greatest of these, if we miss the love, then we missed it. We, we, we lose, you know, um, man, personally, I just want to thank you for that reminder. Dan, always a blast catching up with you. I feel like every time we get to talk on the phone, it's like catching up with an old college buddy, man. Love you, dude. Yeah. Curtis, thanks for, thanks for asking me to be on and thanks for helping so many worship leaders you are an amazing mm. gift and i'm grateful to know you and i'm thankful for your effort and determination to help people get better love you lots thanks brother you've been listening to worshipology with curtis parks to learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams you can visit curtisparks.com <laughs>